Welcome to the Bike Radar Podcast, brought to you by the team behind BikeRadar.com, Cycling Plus and MBUK magazines. If you enjoy this episode, please subscribe. And if you can do so, leave us a rating on your podcast provider of choice. It really helps us reach other cyclists like you. Hello and welcome to the Bike Radar Podcast. I'm Ashley Quinlan, Senior Road Technical Editor here, and I am joined by two esteemed colleagues. I'm joined by Simon Von Bromley, our Senior Road Tech Writer, and uh, Oscar Huckle, our, our all-round tech guru, I would say. I would call you Oscar. How are you today? Yeah, good, thanks, Ash. How are you? Yeah, not too bad, not too bad. Um, Simon, how, how are things for you? Yeah, not too bad, Ash. Not too bad, thank you. What have we been up to recently? Who wants to go first? I'll go first. Um, I, yeah, I mean, like you, I have just sort of finished testing Bike of the Year bikes, which is all very exciting, but um, that's kind of out of the way, and I've been back to testing other things. So I just published my review of the uh, new Specialized Evade Free that's helmet, it, yeah. Aero Road helmet, which was, which was very nice, very good helmet, just, you know, excellent all-round performance, but obviously that S-Works price price uh <laughs> or s works premium the premium, premium. i was going to say s works s works tax but um yeah i mean i can't i couldn't really fault the performance it's just very expensive even compared to a lot of its competitors but you know if you want the best and you're willing to pay for it that is one of the uh, very good options and yeah i also recently did a very fun piece on rule 28's aero base layer Ooh. which was uh which was quite funny so, so but also you know potentially some uh, good performance gains for people who do time trials and road racing and that sort of thing. Sure. And Oscar, what, what have you been uh, up to testing, writing recently? What's your, been your major project? Uh, so writing recently, I uh, published a high mileage heroes piece on some of my favorite workshop tools. That was a really fun one to write. Uh, and just about to start testing a Ridley Helium Mm-hmm. Uh, which I'm excited about because the uh, well, it kind of speaks to my preferences of a road bike, something non-aero, uh, but light, fast. So uh, hopefully that'll be good. It's, part, it's from the essential range, that isn't it? So it's not like yeah. yeah so sort it's of, the second tier. Yeah, yeah, second yeah. Second tier helium. So a bit of better value going on there. Yeah. We hope. Yeah. And uh, testing eight pairs of bib shorts uh, for, <laughs> for eight different reviews, all at the same time, right? For the most comfortable ride ever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, yeah, uh, well, it, it, it's always busy here at Bike Radar. So uh, yeah, I've just you know put down a review for the Continental ASTR. Uh, so it's the all season version, if you like, of the STR, um, which we sort of rate very highly as a benchmark tire here at Bike Radar. And uh, and I've also also filed a review for the uh, M- NV SCS 4.5 wheel set, which. Uh, which costs a pretty penny. Uh, you get a lot of performance for that, but you'll have to read my review if you think if you if you want to know if I think it's worth it um, in terms of bang for buck. So uh, <laughs> yeah, look out for that. Um, but anyway, in this edition of the Bike Radar podcast, we're discussing Mavic and more specifically the future of Mavic. Um, the brand uh, recently unveiled its new Xtend e-bike motor system. Uh, I attended that launch, and uh, it's something of a departure for for the brand. Um, many will associate almost wholly with racing. Perhaps you know it from the Tour de France and the establishment of the neutral service, um, and just generally for traditional performance cycling. Now, you know the brand has had a difficult few years. It's fair to say, uh, with a sale, sale by Amos Sports, uh, which is the owner of other outdoor brands like Salomon. Uh, they sold it to American investors. Uh, there was a subsequent receivership there, and then uh, there was a last-minute buyout by the current owners, known as the Borelier Group. 
Now, to open today's episode, I sat down with Jean-Michel Bourillier, who is the co-CEO of Mavic, uh, to ask him about the challenges faced uh, since the takeover a few years ago. So this was done at the launch of the Xtend motor. We'll then come back to the studio for a quick chat about our take on the brand's future. But before that, I should note that while I speak a little bit of French, uh, Jean-Michel's English is at about the same sort of standard as that French. And we kind of agreed that that probably wouldn't make for the best listening experience for you guys listening to this podcast. So a special thanks goes out to Michel Letonet, who is Mavic's long-serving PR man, um, who stepped in to be our translator and helped make this interview possible. So his is the French-accented voice you're about to hear. Enjoy. Hello, Jean-Michel. Thank you for uh, talking to us. So if I may ask you um, about Mavic, uh, what attracted the uh, Borelier Group uh, to take over and invest in, in, in the brand? Alors, faut, je vais essayer de faire court parce que c'est assez compliqué. Enfin, we try to make it short because it can be complicated. Of course, of course. Mon frère est un passionné de. So his brother opened a, a network of shops dedicated to selling uh, e-bikes, uh, city bikes. Voilà, à Paris. In voilà, Paris. Paris. In 15 years, he opened 15 shops. Uh, e-bike shops like uh, he said previously and he, their brother their uh, father sorry um, was in the DIY uh, business in 2018 he sold the whole business so the um, after the sale of the business of the father they were looking for reinvesting uh, the money in in uh, business businesses um focused on, on mobility, so uh, kind of uh, biomass, cycling, or mobility, retail, or, or yeah. retail, or finding um, business with a, with, a mean, with a meaning. Of course, yeah. So not redoing exactly what the father was doing, mm -hmm. but uh, trying to open their mind in, in uh, other businesses with a, for the future generations and uh, something uh, sustainable also. Of course. So by chance, they, they've seen in the newspaper that Mavic was having uh, facing difficulties. So they decided that they wanted to invest in. Uh, so they said to the court that they want to apply to, to be the new owner. And because they considered that, that the brand is strong, is international, is um, doing uh, creating products that make sense and that are reliable and uh, performing and all this, and that there was some future to build with the, with the brand. So when you um, took over, you, your application was accepted, and you took over, you took over Mavic. Did um, there, there must have been some challenges along the way, especially initially. Uh, to assess the brand and to move it forward. Um, can you tell us a little bit about those challenges, maybe some of the key ones? So we started with focusing on the wheel business because it's the core business of the company and reducing a little bit the investment on the software side because it's hard to cover everything uh, at the same time. Uh, especially at that time where it was uh, complicated to relaunch the, the, the brand and the company. So um, we have reduced a little bit the, um, the software side by uh, keeping in the line 
only the best-selling products, uh, so keeping a, a bit of uh, road cycling apparel, uh, some shoes, footwear and helmets. Mm -hmm. But no new development for a few years uh, while um, saving the rest, in fact. So the, the second biggest challenge was to disconnect Mavic with the Amar Sports Group and recreate completely from ground up uh, all the departments that we were not owing in, under our name, that were shared um, transversely in the group, like uh, HR, uh, finance, uh, supply, uh, logistics, IT, and all these key uh, departments to have a business running and that we were not having. We were sharing those services in between all the brands in the former group. So by becoming again um, independent, we had to recreate those departments on our own for our own uh, use. So it took us uh, quite a while. I forgot one thing. We had to recreate also our subsidiaries in Europe because all the contracts were void mm -hmm. in UK, in Germany, mm. in Italy, in Spain. Right. So we had to recreate also completely our um, uh, sales uh, offices there, our... Uh, our uh, rep uh, teams. Uh, Your distribution network. Our distribution, European network, mm. was down mm. because of the separation between those two. Uh, and at the same time of recreating all those departments, we had nowhere to go. We of had course. to leave the ADC mm -hmm. uh, and to move to another place. So we have... Uh, The Borlier Group has invested in a new building, creating a new building in nine months uh, to create a, the new Yellow House, the new headquarters of Mavic, where we could uh, locate all the departments and uh, keep on going. Mm. And was COVID an additional delay and uh, stress um, on on this restructure because there, there's been a time in the UK where brand presence has fallen. Of course, no longer do Mavic do the service course for the Tour de France. Mm -hmm. So the brand is a little bit less visible now. So has COVID been a part of that and has delayed some things, do you think? So in fact, uh, the pandemic was not completely a, a problem for us. It, it's kind of the opposite. There was a huge demand on the bike uh, business and we were able to supply uh, wheels because we are producing in Europe and all the connection network from South Asia were down at that time with the pandemic. But for us, it was not the case. So we were able to supply a lot of wheels to the customers during the pandemic and it helped, in fact, uh, Mavic to recover its business and the loss of the, the contract with the ASO, the Tour de France, in fact, it can be seen in two different ways. It's a lack of visibility for sure, 
but on the other hand it it's an obligation for Mavic to reinvent uh, itself uh, to find new ways of uh, touching new kind of people new cyclists and and use all that money because it's a question also of contract and money and investment mm -hmm. in another uh, direction uh, to create new things uh, and Mavic has always been as Mavic was the inventor of the neutral service mm -hmm. but now it's time to invent something new mm. uh, and it's also we can see it as an opportunity in fact so the idea also in all, all this investment and changes in the way of Mavic is is focusing less on only the sportive side but also on, on other type of cyclists like the urbans um, the like you've seen today the e-motor the e-bikes and other sectors in the bike industry because the bike industry is growing in very in many different ways and we want Mavic to be uh, to cover more, more uh, segments than before so, and also the Bollier group want to keep the brand strong because it's an old one it's the oldest in the cycling industry and by doing all this it's a way of of um, rejuvenating the brand and to keep on going and uh, keep writing the historical book because Mavic is uh, more than 134 years old. Merci beaucoup. Thank you very much. No, thank you. So welcome back to the studio. Um, so guys, uh, we ha had some interesting insights there from Jean-Michel and I think, you know, the, it shouldn't be overestimated the the human impact of of some you know internal turmoil or you know around companies and so on. I was fortunate enough to know Mavic before, uh, you know, when it was part of Amos Sports, and now when it's been you know obviously it's been through its difficulties and so on. And you know when you speak to the human beings that work behind, um, who, you know, sort of work behind the the yellow branding, if you like, um, you sort of start to feel empathy for, for for the brand and for those human beings that are working there. Um, but, you know, we've all touched upon sort of Mavic products, I think, in our, you know, cycling lifetimes and so on. And, you know, many know the Mavic brand. It's one of the mainstays of cycling, you know. But I'm keen to know if you guys have had any sort of personal experience with it or its products over the years. Um Go on, Simon. You're yeah. raising your hands like a like a good student. Yeah, I think you know uh, my impression of Mavic was obviously you know they they have their very kind of French brand, and I always you know because their because their brand is yellow and through their association with the Tour de France and There's the a neutral good synergy service, there, right? you know I've always had that association of Mavic being a kind of really key brand in road cycling. You know, ever since I started cycling, you know, sort of road cycling ten or fifteen years ago. Now, obviously, in your interview, they kind of points out that actually Mavic's been around for, did he say, 130 years, something like uh, that? Close to that. Close to that. Close so, that. you know, so one, of one of the oldest brands. Yeah, one of the oldest brands in cycling. Um, but, and, and, you know, and I have tested bikes which have included Mavic wheels, you know, in kind of recent years. But it, it, but it, is, it is fair to say that they have perhaps you know, fallen behind the curve in terms of how progressive they are as 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 a brand in recent years and yeah like their kind of catalog of wheels just 
you know, hasn't been as kind of in, enticing or as progressive as, you know, you know someone like, say, uh, Zips or Hunts, for example. We haven't seen them pushing the boundaries mm. uh, in perhaps the same way that other brands have. And, and I think that is perhaps where, you know, they've kind of lost some of that luster. You know, for a long time, they were, they were a really progressive brand. You know, they, they were you know, one of the first brands to have electronic group sets. They were. They were. Chris Boardman, <laughs> that's, I believe. Yeah, uh, that's, had, that's had right. Some in, kind of in, in, in the 90s. And, and obviously, you know, they were kind of really pushing tubeless, mm-hmm. you know, perhaps even, you know, way before most people wanted tubeless, you could argue. They may be a bit ahead of their time. <laughs> With the UST system. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Um, you know, when I first started road cycling, a lot of people had uh, Mavic Cosmic Carbones, you know, the kind of like uh, aluminium wheels with the with the fairings yeah. because they were kind of affordable aero wheels. Uh, I feel like in when kind of road bikes moved to disc brakes, Mavic's innovation, you know, obviously they, they moved to disc brakes as well, but their kind of their rim profiles and their kind of designs just i don't think have quite kept pace you know if you look at something like the cosmic sl 45 disc for example versus a zip 303 you know the zip 303 has wider rims you know it's moved to hookless now obviously you know, we can debate whether the hookless or hooked is better or worse but they're kind of wider internally wider externally more optimized for the kind of wider tires that more people are using these days whereas the kind of mavic wheels are more like 26 millimeters wide externally yeah 21 you know, internal at the max yeah, yeah maybe more yeah. like often more like 19 millimeters internal which yeah. you know is is fine but it, it, perhaps if you buy that now that's going to feel perhaps a little outdated in 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 a few years compared to you know we're seeing some mm. wheels launch with internal widths of 23 millimeters right 25 yeah, yeah if you for the end yeah. i just tested yeah, yeah exactly yeah, yeah. so so they don't you know it doesn't as that's a really that's a really good example of it. you know envy is kind of where where envy feels like they're kind of pushing the boundaries of wheel design along with zip and things like that i feel like mavic have just seemed to have played it safe in recent years and have and as a result have perhaps lost some of that luster I think there was a time where Amos Sports actually owned Mavic and Envy side by side. Mm. I, I can't remember for how long it was now, but I do remember neither wanted to be associated with one another. <laughs> um, you know, they occupied different spaces in the market. Yeah. And I think Envy kind of, to a degree, you know, pushed the boundaries of, you know, progressiveness, whereas Mavic wanted to be it's unkind to say it, but a tear down from that and say, we're not trying to compete at such high price points. Um, you know, we're, what we're actually trying to do is appeal to the to the mass market. And there was definitely, definitely re- the, you know, merit to that. Um, I remember in 2016, I think, when they, uh, they, they used to do you know, carbon clinchers, basically. Mm. At the time, carbon clincher technology in their, in their, in their wheel sets was, um, you know, it, it was some of the best you could get because essentially what they had done, they weren't the first to do this, I don't believe. But no, we're talking t- rim brake carbon clinches. We're talking rim brake carbon yeah. clinches where you had to manage a lot of heat. Yes. And was, you know, the 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 science was still kind of developing. And, it, you know, the Mavic had just removed the alloy inserts that mm. used to manage that heat out of the brake track. And so they had something called ITG Max. I remember it well, where it was a lasered kind of texture that went onto the onto the um, onto the carbon rim. And you know, they said we've also worked at the resin. We worked the resin out now, so you don't get any overheating or you don't get any brake fade and so on. It works brilliantly well in the wet. All these things. And I remember testing it, thinking this is great um, at the time. And ever since then, it's kind of, I would agree with you, it's been a, a slow and steady decline. And you know, the guys at Mavic said to me as well, you know. 
when I was out there visiting about this um, about this motor they've now launched, um, or at least they've they've now unveiled. Um, you know, they told me that you know, our, our our portfolio of wheels just got so complicated. Mm. We were made, you know, they quite literally were making a wheel set for that person over there who had 50 pounds less to spend than that person over there and had a bit more technology in their wheel set. But then that person had 50 pounds less than this person over here who could afford slightly more. And, you know, you you, ha- you must have had six or seven different options of the Exerium wheel set, for example. Yeah. And, and they said that was too many. And so what they weren't, they weren't being clear to, they they said to me at least, they didn't feel they were being clear to their customers. And that was possibly part of where that decline started to come from. And, you know, I remember going, you know, you still do now go to bike shops occasionally and see lots of Mavic options and go, oh, but I don't know which one to look at. You know, it's still a, a, a slight flavor of that going on. So, and, you know, I think it just got a little bit too inflated in a, in a funny sort of way. Um, and, you know, it wasn't able to push you know, the technology any further. Um, at least it couldn't do that because it was trying to cater for everyone all of the time. And sometimes actually you've got to be a bit more focused in how you develop products. What do you think, Oscar? I was going to say, um, responding to one of your points, I actually found their range easier to understand. Oh, fair enough. You know, it's not, you know I'm <laughs> yeah. not saying it's for everyone. No. Yeah. Um, the reason why is because, uh, well, uh, up until a few years ago when they introduced some, some new options, but you had Axiom, which was your budget winter wheel um, yeah. or the wheel that came on stock bikes, Cassirium for something a bit more expensive or for something sure. light, and then sure. Cosmic for, for aero. Three wheels and then you and then you pick pick the option within that um, within that family that suits you. Yeah, no, I, I don't disagree. I don't disagree that the overarching sort of architecture of the range, I, I won't profess to know the mountain bike side of things, you know, with three, with three road, well, let's say yeah, two and a half roadies a, here. You, yeah, yeah. you know, you enjoy <laughs> mountain biking, don't you? But, um, you know, for on the road side, at least, yeah, you had your Axiom, your Exerium and your Cosmic. And that, that was kind of your broad overarching range. But you had, you know, as I say, four or five options within that, within those. Um, and, you know, as much as everyone... You know, maybe, may, you know, lots of people hanker after having a nice set of wheels and a winter set of wheels, and that's a tried and tested path. Yeah. You know, you know, we don't need. I don't need a, a wheel set for for rain and a wheel set for slightly changeable conditions and a wheel set for dry conditions. But what if it's windy? Well, you know, then I need a fourth set. You know, that's not really how it works. You know, and I think probably Mavic got a little bit sort of overinflated there. But you know, we're seeing now a lot of kind of uh you know a compressing of the range you you scroll through say their website now there's not as not as many wheel sets for example but all we're doing right now is talking about wheel sets and what mavic have now done is launched you know or at least uh, i keep saying launched they haven't it's still a prototype but they've unveiled unveiled you know a new you've written it so it's been more than a prototype you've read you've tested it on uh, for a short basis haven't you i have (laughs) tested it for a short basis yeah but i can i can assure you it's still behaving like a bit of a prototype at, at times but that's you know that's that's to be expected but you know they've moved into this new direction around e bike motors and this is a project that started actually before um, before you know all the financial troubles and so on, it was on the drawing board when they were part of Amos Sports. It was still on the drawing board when they were were going through their difficulties and being developed. And the Borrelia Group, who bought the company out, said to me, "Well, we we thought this was you know really interesting, innovative technology stuff that Mavic's actually known for. So we wanted to kind of keep pushing this forward. And so it's the first major product that they've really developed 
through this process. I know they've got some very expensive carbon um, cosmic SLR carbon rims that were launched about three and a half thousand pounds or something or other. But (laughs) I don't think they were developed through the course of all the difficulties that they've had recently, as well as all the other things that humanity's had to deal with in the last few years. So you know, what do we think of Mavic's new direction going into e-bike motors as opposed to just making an e-bike wheel, for example? I think it, I think it's it's, it's kind of tricky. I, I don't think, obviously, I, I say obviously, I don't think I'm really the target market for um, e-bikes. But then some of the kind of, you know, the kind of highlight specs that, that you put in your first ride review are quite interesting, for example, mm. in the sense that, you know, it's, it's a fairly powerful motor, but it is also very compact, mm-hmm. you know, fits inside what, you know, looks pretty pretty much like a normal bike. So I think your test bike was a BMC road team machine. Team machine. It was a team. It was a team machine. And um, yeah, all they all they had done. They assured me all they had done was change the bottom bracket zone so that this the um, the motor system could slot into it. So it doesn't come in on the underside. You don't have to cut the entire bottom bracket area out and completely refashion it. Um, you literally just slot it into a wider hole. It still requires a kind of custom frame set, right? But, it does, but my point it does. is that you know, obviously that that that's that's very normal for e road bikes. But this yes. one looks fairly normal. You wouldn't notice. Yeah, it. you really um, wouldn't know. And also, the, you know, the battery fits inside the existing cavity for the down tube. That wouldn't yeah. be the case for every road bike sure. out there, of course. Yeah. But like for for the for the team machine, they said we didn't have to change that. Just had to slot it through and put the housing inside so that it you know obviously gets retained in place inside. Yeah. So. But it had interesting features, like in sense you said the motor disengages from the drivetrain when it's not in use. Yep. Normal crank sets can be used. It has an integrated power meter. Yes. You know these these are kind of features that you know you know start to look a bit more interesting. So I certainly think that kind of like and, and I think also. One of the kind of the key points is that the the bike was under ten kilos. It was, yeah. 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 So that's that's pretty good, really, because you know you can have a modern you know a modern era road bike could come in around you know around eight kilos. So to be only two kilos heavier than a kind of non-assisted bike is pretty extraordinary. Put it this way: the bike that I the bike I rode out there, the test mule I rode out there, is lighter than the bike I've been riding all winter, even with flashy. Envy wheels on it, for example, like you know, my Fairlight Strail weighs more than that bike does. It's stiffer. That bike out there is stiffer, and it rides. It rides like you would expect a team machine to ride, um, and it really does disengage completely from the system. And I think that, that's got that for me. That's the lasting impression I have. I spent the first tw- first twenty minutes of the ride not using the motor at all, thinking, "Why would I?" <laughs> um, and then I thought, "No, that's why I'm here. I ought to be really." Um, but you know they were so adamant that it completely disengaged from the motor, and you just, the bottom bracket just spins on. You know the excuse me, the crank arms just spin on the bottom bracket bearings, and it really does. It's exactly like that. So you know it's it's definitely intriguing. It's intriguing tech, and, and it's nice. It's nice to see such neat integration of mm. it. Um, and I think I think Mavic pushing hard in that direction, where arguably no brand has managed to do it to quite such an extent. There are competitor. Um, brands such as TQ, competitive systems that are similar in a, in in their kind of light and svelte approach to e-bike motors, but on paper, I don't see one that is quite as well integrated as this at this time. And I just think that's that's you know subjectively, quite subjectively, I do think that's really refreshing to see from a brand like Mavic, where we might think, you know, it's got such a storied history and so many, you know, sort of landmark moments where it has genuinely pushed the, you know, the, the game forward. It's arguably 
able to do the same here so long as they're able to perfect the system. Do you think this kind of you know spells the end for Mavic as as a kind of like performance road bike brand as as it was in the past? You know, do, are they gonna are they do they have eyes on a kind of comeback in that arena, or or are they kind of is this a new direction that the whole company is going to be moving in? So I'm not privy to all of the inside information of the company. <laughs> I, you know, as, as investigative... You weren't invited into their investor meetings. Uh, no, no, funnily <laughs> enough. You know, as investigative as I got um, and as the questions that I asked, um, you know, they, they, they're certainly going to keep pushing in that area. I just think, um, you know, that this is all against the backdrop of, of the buyouts as well. And my opinion on this is that, you know, you've got the backdrop of the buyout. The investors... As much as the investors, as opposed to the investors they had in between Amos Sports and mm. the Morelia Group now, arguably, you know, the current investors, they want to see the brand return to the way it, kind of its position in cycling where it was previously. But it want, it needs to do it in such a way that it's not throwing money at a at a dead horse. Yeah. And it needs to do it in such a way that it starts to turn a profit for the owners and yeah. starts to grow again very steadily. Um, so, you know, I think one of the figures they said we went, we went from 150 million euro turnover company to 50 million, and they described that as a family sized business. So, so that's, a, that's not a bad family sized <laughs> business you've got going on there. But you know, my point is, yeah, you know, I think I don't think it spells the end of Mavic as a performance cycling brand. I just think it needs more time to reestablish itself there. And a Halo product such as the, S, the Cosmic SLR wheelset we saw earlier this year or the back end of last year that's just stratospherically expensive and you know made of one piece of carbon with the spokes that are molded into the rims and the hubs and what have you i just don't they, well they're not molded but they're attached you know what i mean i i you know i don't think one product does a performance brand make um but i do see resources being put into improving the tech that it has right now as outdated as you arguably say it might be at this point you know in terms of thinking progressively in terms of design but they've got other other you know elements of their you know other elements of their tech that you might not necessarily see i mean how envy uses the id360 you know free hub mm. in its in its in, in its um in its ses wheels its top level wheels and you'd think well, that doesn't seem like quite quite the right match but i can t i tell you right now for free it works and you know it it's efficient and it's it's performance oriented and it works really well. But you know, Oscar, you had a few comments on, you know, Mavic sort of tech and the stuff that you would like to see as well. Yes, I think the answer in the first question about Mavic's new direction, um, I think it's really exciting. Mm. And um, did we not come to you for that? Oh, I do apologize. No. Uh, <laughs> uh, so um, yeah, I think it's really exciting. I think of, of all the other brands out there, TQ is the only one really that. That has been able to make a motor that that is light enough and feels feels most natural to ride, and um, I can't remember the weights of the bikes that I tested with TQ system um, off the top of my head, uh, but they were pretty light as well. I think it was somewhere in the ten and a half, uh, eleven kilo region. That's about right. That's what yeah. Mavic were telling me, but it's also what I've seen on paper from claims yeah. from other brands. Um, so I don't think this is necessarily any better than than TQ system, but it's just an alternative. Um, but uh, one of the things that really excites me about this is the fact that you can use uh, a standard road bike uh, crank set on it, which Simon's um, already mm -hmm. mentioned. Yeah. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe that it's the first brand where uh, where you can do this. I believe so. Yes. Yeah. Yes, it is. Yeah. Um, so it just means that if you're well, if you're buying an e-road bike, you can use all of the parts of a road bike group set 
whereas before you'd have to make a deviation to the to the crank set and uh, the shifting's not always as good if you use aftermarket chain rings uh, because that's not that's not how it's been designed to use. No, um, I, my system ran a Durace, yeah, twelve speed Durace, uh, so R ninety two hundred chain set, and it worked flawlessly. It couldn't have worked any better if it, if if it was set up on another kind of bike. So I can I can tell you you know firsthand that that element of the design certainly works. Yeah, uh, I do want Mavic to take its time though. Um, I, yeah. I want the product to be uh, fully reliable and uh, and tested. For, for a long period of time um, because TQ have, um, well, that's clearly what TQ have done and uh, and it seems to be flawless so far. Um, and High I mean, praise indeed, flawless. Yeah, High praise, I'll, I'll come back to you for that. Go on. And um, I mean, Mavic's wheels, uh, you haven't got to look far. There have been some issues with reli- reliability in the past. So for example, the nipples made of chocolate on there. <laughs> <laughs> on their wheels uh, that famously corrode or are hard to true. That's um, experience talking, is it, from yeah. bike, bike shop experience? Yeah. Okay. Just, uh, just to be specific, for people who, who aren't aware what Oscar's talking about, he doesn't mean actually <laughs> made of chocolate. You mean made of alloy, don't you? Mavic famously likes an alloy spoke and an alloy nipple, right? So the nipples use a different shape that requires its own spoke key, yep. um, and uh, they're very, very easy to strip. And if you strip one of those, then all, all kinds of hell is, uh, <laughs> is unleashed. Yes, yeah. Um, so, um, yeah, I, I just want Mavic to take their time, uh, not rush at it, and have a product that is that is uh, really reliable and works as prescribed. Yeah, and do you, you know, I, just to answer the second question that we skipped over you for, do you see this as the, sort of the end of Mavic as a, as a performance brand, or do you, do you still see it as a performance brand? No, I still see it as a performance brand. Um, I think wheels are Mavic's main game. And it would seem silly for them to uh, to to depart from that. Uh, and actually, Mavic have consolidated their range um, after going through receivership. So they're now only only focusing on on wheels. They have got a clothing line as well, and uh, elements of of that are really good from what I've used in the past. Yeah. Um, so, uh, but for example, um, I don't think they make tires anymore. Um, so I think they've really tried to simplify things. And um, with their wheels, they recently bought out the Infinity Hub, um, which essentially um, uses a DT Swiss style uh, free hub. So most wheels use pulls and a spring for the free hub. Um, this uses um, two ratchets instead. So pretty much exactly the same as what DT Swiss uh, use in their wheels. Uh, and I believe it wants to use that hub on, on all of their wheels. Uh, so yeah, I mean they're still innovating there, and um, yeah, I think I, I think they should continue. Um, but going back to what I said before, I want them to, to do things well rather than try and just branch out for the sake of it. Uh, so if they can nail wheels and nail this this motor, then Mavic could be in a really strong position. Simon, what do you hope to see from Mavic aside from say motors and ultra expensive wheels? And is, is there anything else you would like to see from the brand? You know, I, I think yeah, when, you know back. When I when I look back at you know my kind of association with Mavic, I, they were the kind of wheels that a lot of riders had at that kind of, and they did serve that entry level well, as well as you know making the kind of exotic, you know full carbon spokes, full carbon hub wheels. I, I think there you know there's still a bit of a gap in the market with with disc brake bikes for kind of good quality maybe aerodynamic aluminium disc brake wheels, for example. You know a, ver- a few people make them such as. Uh, 
Hunt, for example, uh, makes a kind of 34 mil deep, quite a wide rim, a kind of aero alloy wheel. If they can get it down to a decent weight, you know, maybe 600 grams, something like that, or 1600 grams, I should say, 600 would be phenomenal. Floating away. (laughs) (laughs) You know, that that could be good. Uh, I think at the higher end, I would really like to see, you know, Mavic, Mavic did, as you say, release a very kind of expensive wheel set recently and it was kind of one of those all carbon ones you know ultra light i think sort of 1250 grams for a 45 mil deep wheel set you know th- this might just be the aeroweenie in me and maybe this really appeals to people but i would like to see mavic kind of focus a bit more on making their aero wheels a bit more a bit more progressive and and kind of less focused on weight because i think ultimately if we're making race wheels they need to be fast in the wind really mm-hmm. and and the kind of the weight thing is becoming, you know, you know, weight is always going to be important for a, for a race bike. But in terms of kind of, you know, race wheels, I think kind of aerodynamics, you know, kind of wider tires and the kind of interaction between the wheel and those wider tires is becoming increasingly more important. And, mm-hmm. I, and I think if, if Mavic kind of don't get on board with that trend mm-hmm. relatively soon, it, it, it's going to be... Behind. Yeah, I think it's going to be tough to, to kind of come up with a reason for why you should buy the Mavics in, instead of you know other brands which also offer you know those those wheel sets and obviously you know prices are coming down as well so <laughs> the market's getting increasingly competitive i think you've just hit the nail on the head and you've taken my point away Sorry. my final point away from me <laughs> I, for me and i want to wrap up now because you know we can speculate till the uh, to the cows come home i do think i think i i agree with you oscar i want mavic to do things well and to take its time but that and, and you know, in order to do things well, the problem that we have, and I think the two points kind of co- coexist here. You know, Simon, you say, you know, you want them to be a bit more progressive as well. You've got to get on with it. You know, mm. being progressive means being either on the right on the sharp on the cutting edge or being ahead of the curve. Um, and so, you know, Mav- you know, Mavic does need to sort of push itself forward. I I am hope I'm hopeful that it will be able to establish itself in that arena i think and, and, and you know right at the cutting edge again and you say re-established because they were definitely there Ups, absolutely. And, you know, and if you think about the, some of the track wheels that they make those are still you you know the mavic comet discs and their five spoke wheels are still you know widely considered to be some of the best wheels yeah. so yeah hopefully those people are still around they are they are i, I believe they are yeah. yes the the good people you know remain and good, a lot of good people had to go as well at the same time as part of the you know the restructure the company had to go through but there are promising shoots, you know, things are now, you know, made wholly in Europe, I believe, and are now moving more towards back towards France in terms of their manufacture. That in itself, it, you know, on the face of it doesn't really mean very much, doesn't really matter where you make wheels, but actually, or, you know, any of your, your, your um, products. But, you know, Mavic's taking, you know, a lot of care over rebuilding these structures that they lost through the, you know, the sale of the, you know, and this sort of, I don't think the whole company was dissolved, but at least you know the complete restructure. Mm. You lost a lot of that, so you know the this this there are green shoots of promise, shall we say? And um, I think cycling itself is better for it. The uh, you know the yellow service vehicle might be uh, a, you know a history point for the Tour de France now rather than the future of the Tour, but at least you know Mavic seems to be moving in the right direction. Um, and on that note, I'd like to leave it there. But if you have any comments about Mavic, about your history with Mavic, or you know where you see the brand going, or you know for for good or bad, 
let us know. We'd love to hear from you. So do send us an email at podcast at bikeradar.com with any of your questions or any of your comments around that. Um, But thank you for listening. And please don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already and uh, leave a review wherever you get your podcast because, you know, that helps us meet more people. So uh, thank you for joining me, chaps. And uh, we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Bike Radar Podcast. If you've not done so already, please subscribe and share with your friends or leave us a rating if you've enjoyed this episode.